0: Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett, and this is episode 23 of Stories of the Saints. got a special guest today. Uh, what a great thing. Brother Steve Kropp is here. He is the pastor of Wellington Restoration Branch. Steve, uh, I have a favorite route I like to drive along the river, and I tell you at least four times a week, whether I have patients out in Wellington or not, I... Hop in my car, and I drive along the river, and I listen to the radio. or I just have silence, and that's my peaceful time. Go to Lexington, get a little coffee, turn around, and come back. Peaceful place.
1: Fantastic. That's <laughs> that's kind of your happy place then it along, is, along uh, the river.
0: Needler Meat Market. We stopped and got some bacon and some pork <laughs> sausage that was freshly made the other day and
1: enjoyed that. So. Good for you. Yeah, that's it's a nice area. Those little river towns like that kind of have a, a quaint uh, feel away about them, but mm-hmm. uh, very nice. Um, so
0: just to let our listeners know, how do I know Steve Crop and who is he? When I was uh, oh, um, 23, 24, I did a, a program with the Youth Missionary Corps. and Myself and Adam Guard were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Skiatook, Oklahoma, around that area for a while. And Steve, do you remember taking us out on a visit? Do you remember that? I,
1: I, I remember you guys being
0: down. As far as the specifics, I don't have, have. I can't remember anything other than driving in a car with you. And I don't know if we went to a minor league baseball game or I – th- I think we went and visited somebody. Anyway, we fellowshiped, and that's where I, I heard your name for the first time. You were uh, – I was thinking back – I guess at the time you th- I thought you were older, but I look back now. I'm like you were—you were in your early 30s. You had to have been.
1: I mean, you're, only, you're not that older than me. I mean, no, when we, we we left Tulsa, or actually gathered in Independence when uh, I was 30 years old. Oh, so uh, we were—I was still in my 20s. 20s. But I, I do look older, Mike. I mean, no, you I'm, don't. you I'm, don't. I'm cursed with that. <laughs> well, I just turned 50, so. Uh, but
0: I was thinking back. Wow, uh, you were this young guy. And I, I'll probably embarrass you a little bit. You were physically fit. You know, uh, young. Good-looking guy in his, his prime. Uh, just played college football, correct? For Tulsa, yeah, yes. Played college football, and and so for t- you know two guys that were, were starting out, wanting to try to set aside life and put the Lord first as best as we could. You were an inspiration to see this young guy that was just could be doing anything in the world, and you were excited about the Lord. Now, since that time. Uh, I've sat on your ministry for sermons and, and men's retreats and priesthood retreats and congregational retreats, and I've but I've never really sat down and, and talked to you one-on-one a whole lot. Your wife, with her beautiful voice, sang on uh, one of the CDs that I made 20 years ago, mm-hmm. Rochelle, and you were sharing with me, we, and we really talked maybe a few minutes before we got on here, so there's a lot of to catch up and sure. to, to just bring this out during the... Tell me about, you just got back from Hawaii, but tell me what you were telling me about Rochelle. That was kind of neat about her opportunity and what she did some singing
1: with some veterans and things. Well, Mike, you know, from uh, hearing her sing, you know, in, in different church services, she's got a, a special gift. And uh, um, I know the Lord worked through her in so many ways to help get my attention, not just from a uh, husband-wife relationship, but my attention spiritually. Um, but uh, her voice uh, has helped her uh, minister to so many people, especially like veterans and uh, folks in that uh, era around the uh, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s era that uh, are now in either Alzheimer's units, uh, her and a singing partner. They went around and visited multiple places around the Kansas City area and, and up toward Richmond, St. Joe area just providing music from the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. And in that, uh, they were invited to come over to uh, Pearl Harbor for the 75th anniversary of the uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. I think it was the same time that Tom Brokaw was over there. Oh, wow. And uh, so uh, she and and, uh, Peggy Stanley, who was her singing partner, and myself and our two children, we got to fly over, be there on the Arizona Memorial with the men who were on the Arizona Mm. the day of the bombing. And they uh, actually had three of their uh, shipmates who were being had been cremated, and they were being placed inside the Arizona that day. Very moving experience. Uh, so thankful that our children were able to be a part of that as well. Interesting. That's 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 really. I didn't know that they actually. That's
0: their final resting place
1: in the ship. Some of the some of the shipmates who pass. You know, in in modern times, they request that their remains would be placed in with their shipmates mm-hmm. there in the Arizona. There were three Navy divers who were just off in the water off the uh, Arizona Memorial that day, and the uh, admiral went over, handed them the the green box, and and uh, they placed it inside the ship. Yeah, it was just a, a beautiful experience. Wow, amazing. Well,
0: uh, thank you for being here early. I, I think it's amazing. We're here before the sun has come up, and people will be hearing your testimony of Jesus today uh, in different around the world if, if they tune in. Um, and also, just that you're going to share about the most real thing in the world, and that is our God and our Creator. And we call this Stories of the Saints. You're going to share your story of Jesus and your life. And... People are going to hear that today, and I just think that's an amazing opportunity we have in this day and age to sit here and talk and fellowship in the Spirit and then have that go out and bless other people. So, Steve, tell me, were you raised in a Christian home
1: uh, knowing Jesus as a young boy? Yes, Mike, I was. had uh, uh, very good parents and uh, made sure that I was uh, taught certainly right from wrong, but even more so uh, early understanding about the Book of Mormon and the testimony of Christ in this world. Do you do you have children have two older children yep okay
0: yep um, was it the faith culture where the faith we're in now the restoration you were raised in or
1: yeah I was raised raised in the restoration at the RLDS church as you know 1984 there was a differing of opinions and sure. within the church and leadership but uh, so uh, for for that period of time we've been in the restoration and uh, um, our children attended uh, what used to be Oak Valley Country Day School. Which was oh yeah uh, yeah (laughs) it's it's since uh, closed but we uh, actually transitioned that uh, whole asset over to CPRS because the saints had sacrificed and a lot of folks had sacrificed to help Oak Valley get started and provided some good ministry to children for many years and then uh, combined or merged with CPRS Uh, yeah that's.
0: One of the reasons I bought this house was it was a uh, block from Waldo and CPRS, and that was had kind of become the gathering place for events mm-hmm. in this day and age. Um, tell me your youngest memory of Jesus or an or experience
1: with him that you remember. Interesting question. Uh, two things that, that really shaped my life. One is uh, my grandfather on uh, my mom's side, uh, James Adams. He was an elder in the church. But uh, his life started out kind of in a, a different path, kind of like in the Book of Mormon, there's stories about the sons of Mosiah and Alma the Younger that uh, had grown up understanding what right and wrong was and the right way to go, but for a while decided to go somewhere different. And uh, um, the testimony of my grandfather really had an impact on me early on in life. Um, he was uh, uh, a, uh, uh, a very fit and a very, uh, um, how can I say, a, a man's man, if you will. And for a period of time, lived out in California, uh, wound up uh, helping, I think, run a bar and and, uh, just, you know, live kind of a a worldly life in so many ways. And uh, one time he was on uh, a square dance floor. And uh, um, I think he had a flask of whiskey in his back pocket and and, uh, was, you know, just out there on the edge living life. And he heard a voice that said, Jimmy, you don't belong here. Mm. And he turned around, and he was prone to a scuffle once in a while. I'll say that kindly. And, thought someone uh, was calling him out. Thought someone was calling him out, and he turned around and looked. Nobody was there. He heard the voice again. And uh, again, the, the third time, he knew that it was something more than just, you know, uh, something of this earth. And that kind of began the process of him coming back to the Lord and, and uh, dedicating his life. To service, and uh, he was called the office of priest and the office of elder and wound up moving back to Oklahoma. And in the course of all that, I know that his testimony of Christ, his testimony of the restoration, the fullness of the gospel is what's been handed down in our family. I've got two older sisters, and uh, through my mom's side, they, uh, um, that has really emphasized the importance of Jesus Christ in our life and the importance of the restoration in this day and time. It's amazing the
0: influence of our, our grandparents and fathers that uh, I think seep through the generations. Uh, my grandmother telling me at the time how they, they moved the church from the cemetery two miles into town. My great-grandfather, when the missionaries had come through and the crowd was there trying to keep them from bringing the church in because they didn't want the, quote, Mormons in town mm-hmm. and breaking the ice on the lake to get baptized. It's this, those romantic things, but they, they're so recent. And they, they hold power. And um, and that's the example of the, the stories of the saints, that God, I mean, here, here's your grandpa. Here's a voice on the dance floor. And, I mean, God still has his eye on his children
1: today. Yeah, he does. And I can remember you asked it, the question about the, my youngest memory. Uh, when he retired from a company called Eagle Pitcher, he was a lead carpenter for them. Um, he built a, built a house uh, uh, completely by hand himself. So he he retired from Eagle Pitcher at sixty five and uh, proceeded to build a house down near Wyandotte, Oklahoma. And in the course of that, uh, as a young boy in the summertime when I wasn't in school, I would go down and maybe stay stay a week with him and my grandmother. And uh, Mike he was he was the kind of guy that uh, um, at sixty seven years old he could still hand over hand a rope up a tree and uh, outrun all of his grandchildren. I mean, just couldn't do that at (laughs) sixteen. (laughs) <laughs> so uh um every evening uh we would, you know, visit, eat supper, they'd watch a, a program or something on TV, and then about nine o'clock the TV would be turned off and we'd have prayer before we go to bed. Well, as a young man, you know, it's like okay, grandma and grandpa pray. But uh, you know, I always heard my grandfather kneel on his knees and he would pray for strength and you know, I kept thinking, my gosh, he's, he's one of the strongest guys I know. But yet he was still praying for strength. And uh, that, that emphasized in my mind the importance of, of uh, the spiritual side as well as just the physical side of life. And I can remember you know, thinking that thought, which, which seems a little odd now at, at 56, 57 years old, that uh, um, you know how important that that spiritual side is as a young boy, but I think that that really had a, a positive influence on some of the choices, some of the things that that I decided to do with my life was was through that.
0: Mm. When um, did, t- did you have some challenges uh, going through? I'm sure you did, but going through high school, college, uh, just as as my son's finishing uh, high school now and getting ready to to go into the world, he's in his last year. What was that like for you? Uh, just talk about those temptations,
1: those things that try to draw you away from Christ as a young man. You bet. They're, uh, they're ever-present. I think the, the scriptures talk about the, the way uh, that, that we choose or, or uh, um, the way uh, that we think as people, as, as uh, human beings, the way that we think is right actually ends in death. And you know we have to have that. Uh, I know it's it's very popular in in evangelical terms. We have to have that rebirth. We have to be born spiritually. And as a young man, like I said, I'd been taught right from wrong. Been taught about the church. Uh, most of the time, if the doors were open, we were there. Uh, Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday mornings. Um, but uh, uh, with all the temptations that that come as a young man, and I think you know the <clears throat> the importance of. How we learn to use our agency uh, is, is uh, formed during those years. And um, you mentioned the, the football. Football was a blessing and a curse in my life because of football, you know, I was able to um, attend junior college and also a, a Division I college and, and play that sport. But with that comes so many other temptations and things that goes along with it. And certainly like uh, many others, you know, fell prey. And I don't want to say victim, because Mm -hmm. uh, I I actually use my agency to do some things that, uh, you know, I I look back now and one word would be regret, but the other part is thankfulness that we have a way back to our Savior. We have a way to have those sins remitted. And without that remission of those sins, Mike, uh, you know, souls would be lost forever. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've
0: gone through some struggles in our family with sin and uh, was just talking to my son yesterday. It's like, you know it's humbling how easy we could fall, but it's also um, I think what you just said. I said it's a blessing because because look here we are and we're rejoicing in the fact that that we have a Savior and that we can't be righteous on our own and just to know that there's someone stronger than us willing to forgive and that we do fall and stumble sometimes is humbling and that's a good place to be because. Man, when things are going good and you're on top of the world, it sure is easy to just really not rely on God.
1: Mm-hmm. You're 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 spot on with that. And I uh, worked with a guy uh, at uh, uh, hospital here in Kansas City, and he said, you know, as, as long as 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 uh, people are dependent on agriculture, and this is going to sound funny. But he said, as long as people are, are dependent on agriculture or are an agrarian society, America was built on right. know, agriculture. I mean, the, the the hard work, planting a seed, watching it grow and harvesting. And we've kind of evolved beyond that with uh, the digital age and all the things that are, are a part of the world now. And it, things that we can look at and we say, well, these are man-made. You know, man created this, our infrastructure, our intelligence, all of those things where before it took a certain amount of faith to plant that seed and have faith that God's going to send enough rain, enough sunshine for that seed to grow and multiply 80, 100, 150-fold. And uh, um, I think that's that's kind of where, you know, as a young man growing up in Oklahoma, I was able to see that played out on an annual basis because we, you know, I grew up farming with my dad and, and mm-hmm. uh, running a few cows. And the reliance on faith and the importance of that faith and being anchored in that faith, knowing that uh, once you plant the seed, it's up to God from that point for that seed to grow and mature and and bring forth a harvest. And we both know, Mike, that the harvest is always the the Lord's. It's not ours. Uh, We can tend to that seed. We can work on it. My life, I can work in different areas. I can study. I can try to show myself approved, as the scriptures say but the harvest is always his and we cannot take that honor, that glory away from him. We have to assign that to him all the time. Those are miracles that we, we don't really, well, there's
0: a few in our society that do, but we don't really think about that anymore. Do we, I mean, we've really moved away from a lot of that faith-based necessity to, you know, I get my food from grocery stores, Steve. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We're seeing uh, some of that now, but that's, that's interesting. I, I remember uh, as shortly after I moved here, I was working one morning. It was it was bone chillingly cold, below with freezing, and my car broke down. It was a Sunday morning, my car broke down, and there was ice everywhere. And I mean, it was off. And I thought, I'm going to freeze to death. And I just simply, I, I had just gotten back from the mission. I was, I, I just said a prayer, and Steve, with the thirty seconds, this family stopped by that I knew. And I wasn't on the main. To and they're like, "Hey, we'll give you a ride to church." And uh, and now it's like, if I don't have my
1: phone in my back pocket when I leave the house, I panic because something might happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those those testimonies, you know, whether you're coming back from a mission trip or, um, you know, in our in our life, whether young or old, those testimonies when we know that the Lord intervened, and you know, and and the God who created, you know, billions of of galaxies. Knows our name and, and is concerned about our individual well-being, it 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 should cause us all to have a you know a, a little little strength in our 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 reserve. Yeah, yeah.
0: I um usually when I get uh, people together here, I kind of in my mind I go through a linear progression of their life. I I can tell with you, you've got this evangelistic. This, evangelistic, I can't say the word, nature <laughs> to you. So i may ask you some different uh, questions and things and just let you kind of riff on those. But I, I want to ask you, I, I do want to say, so you graduated uh, high school, uh,
1: got a football scholarship. Where, how did you meet your wife? Good question. We uh, we actually met at a uh, Zion's League New Year's Eve party, and she grew up as a Nazarene. Okay. I so she, yeah, so she was uh, uh, a Nazarene and um, – was dating a young man who uh, was a member of the church. And uh, um, in the course of that, uh, we met that night and began to write letters back and forth. And uh, I think it was our sophomore year in college. Uh, we didn't we didn't talk a lot our freshman year, but uh, sophomore year in college, we were able to reconnect. And uh, from that point forward, about four years later, we were married. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Lord used my wife, Rochelle, in, in, in a great way, to uh, help get my attention because I knew as a as, as a young man that uh, when we got married that, you know, the man's supposed to be the spiritual head of the household. And uh, growing up, she had a better understanding of the Bible than I did. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 I applaud that. I think it's wonderful. But I I thought to myself, I need to make sure that I commit myself to understanding and knowing how to, to lead my family. And um, um, for a while, had had really a, a very— strong appetite for the scriptures. Uh, I was doing a, working at a job at St. John's Medical Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we had to be there at 515. So, you know, I was getting up like at, you know, 330, 345 and making sure I had time to read before I went to work. And uh, it, it really, like David describes it uh, as, as sweet as honeycomb. It was, you know, it was just like I couldn't get enough of it at that time. And uh, I hate to say that you know I've gone through uh, waxes waxing and waning periods of when <clears throat> when you have that same type of of hungering and, and yearning for it, and then times where I've just kind of left it lay, and uh, um, uh, know that during that period of time that uh, the Lord was you know putting some things into my heart and mind that I, I I still call upon today. I can still remember sitting in the kitchen at an old table at a little duplex in the, mm-hmm. the campus of University of Tulsa. And reading things that still resonate whenever you know I have a chance to minister, or even this morning, sitting here talking with you and sharing testimonies of how uh, his wisdom uh, gets inside of us. And I can't tell you anything more than, than, than just the idea or the thought that uh, uh, he tells us that we're supposed to put his flesh inside of our bodies. And because mm-hmm. he was the yeah. word made flesh, those words have to be put inside of us somehow. Yeah. Sometimes it's through a church service. Sometimes but not it's just a... on sacrament Sunday. No, yeah. Yeah, not yeah. just on sacrament <clears throat> Sunday. My goodness, it's you know it's all those other times that really strengthen us and anchor us into Him. Do you think? Uh, so I, I want uh, this is
0: a really good thing to bring out uh, that this early in the morning communing with with God. I know my partner Corey uh, <laughs> spends. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I I can get up before him. It doesn't matter what time <laughs> I'm up. There'll usually be a text or. Or I can text him, and there's a response whenever my, my butt gets out of bed. But uh, <laughs> uh, he uh, that early morning uh, time with the Lord, to me, it's I call it the golden hour, the, the magical time. Um, I, I've taken to, even if I don't have an early morning visit, uh, I try to be out by 6.30 or 7, just kind of driving in my car, and I leave the radio off and just uh, commune with the Lord. Um, that was that a time in your life where you you felt like was it because your relationship with Rochelle coming on or new or you were hungry more or just that time in your life or why do you think that waxes and wanes
1: um, i think I think uh, kind of like Paul's answer uh, because of my flesh mm-hmm. I still wrestle you know uh, and, and, uh, um, with with principalities and powers talks about in the scriptures still wrestle with those things that uh, my flesh you know it rises up and thinks well you know you 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 justify this or you can justify this in your life or you you know you deserve this and Moses's response was he realized after him being transfigured by the glory of God that was on him he realized that man is nothing and boy Mike those those kind of reminders reminders or remembrances by reading the scriptures, help shape, you know, uh, and call us back from those times in which we, um, we wrestle. Uh, I think uh, who was Enos in the Book of Mormon, he mm-hmm. went out and he said, I'm going to tell you about the wrestle that the I wrestle. had. And, you know, that's the best way to describe it Isn't because it? if you've ever wrestled anyone, you know, whether it's on the playground or whether it's in an official <laughs> high school wrestling match, whatever, I mean, boy, it is just a, you know, close contact and, and uh, yeah. you know, intense. And it is that way spiritually. But so many times we walk through this world and we kind of fall asleep. We go spiritually asleep. And, again, the Book of Mormon causes challenges. Hey, wake from the sleep of sin. And, Mike, I do. I, I admit as an elder sometimes that sleep of sin still creeps back over and uh, um, I have to be waking up.
0: Yeah, I, I read somewhere, I think it was Arthur, when talked about uh, the, the, the most difficult thing is not necessarily uh coming to Christ that first time but he said it's it's the next step and the next step and the next step and it never gets easy until our life here is done like there's it's never without uh, opposition it's uh, so like I said, my son is in that age. He's getting ready to leave high school. So, you know, struggling with some things that, that a lot of guys do and and just trying to find himself and where is he going to go. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking on how to help him and guide him for his future and remind him, you know, to put the Lord first. And I was thinking, you know, 50 years on this earth, and I was so aware at that moment, like, I have been conformed to this world. Like, this world has done a number on me. You know, living in sin, being enveloped in sin, feeling the effects of sin and even realizing that I'm sure even as I'm reasoning with God in my mind, I'm doing it you know, mostly from a worldly standpoint because I'm just a product of this world. Mm-hmm. And it's so clearly reminded of the scripture that, that says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yep. And that's when I I, I talked to my son about prayer and I said, you know, my prayer life, it, it waxes and wanes. And, but if we aren't constantly drawing to God so that our mind can be renewed by the spirit, we will take on the
1: image of this world. Mm-hmm. No, very true. And, uh, you know, I, I, I probably beat myself up uh, along those lines because I think of, you know, different difficulties or trials that I've gone through. And, and, uh, at first that, uh, um, that football mentality comes in says, well, okay, this is a challenge. You can, you can take care of this. Right. And, uh, sometimes those challenges are so big that we can't. And, um, I think, well, you know, I I try to try to, uh, tackle that or wrestle with that on my own and then realize I've got to turn it over to him. Um, case in point, uh, when uh, Rochelle and I got married, she was, uh, it was about a two-year period before she was baptized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I told her, I said, hey, I said, you know, study this out. I said, I'll do everything that I can to support you, but I don't want you to be baptized because of my testimony. I said, I want it to be your testimony. And in the course of that, Mike, she had uh, gone through the Go Teach and a couple of uh, very uh, devout elders there in the Skytook, Oklahoma area, had come over and business with her. So uh, after her baptism, um, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, were— Together in our in our faith at that point, and uh, she had a really fantastic experience of her first communion about the Holy Spirit just being washing over her and, and confirming her uh, in that. But uh, we had prayed about five years, about uh, from 1990 to 1995, about gathering, and you know in our church we believe that the center place of Zion is going to be here in, in the Independence Area, uh, and in the course of that. Um, uh, I'd sent probably thirty five or forty resumes. can't remember how many now I've lost track, but up here to different hospitals and different facilities and rehab centers and everything, uh, and uh, nothing. I mean, not a peep out of anybody. So I thought, okay, something must be going you know different direction uh, and was had a good job there in Oklahoma. And in the course of that, we had started a a uh, Bible study class on the Osage Indian Reservation. So we were going up on Thursdays and Sundays and doing Bible studies with the Osage Indians and had a couple that were baptized and, and uh, had, had worked with them during that period. And one morning I came out of work, or actually one evening I came out from work and was walking toward my pickup there in Tulsa, and I was kind of feeling sorry for myself. I don't know if you've ever done that or not, where you kind of feel sorry for yourself that the Lord's not fulfilling, you know, I was not answering my prayers, you know, kind of kicking myself a little bit. And before I got to my pickup from the front door of the hospital, I heard him speak to my heart, and he said, you believe that I can establish kings and kingdoms and set up presidents and constitutions. Why don't you believe that I can make a way for you to gather in my own due time? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you know, again, that that uh, that humbling came, and— uh, after I sat down in the, the front seat of the pickup and, and, uh, um, uh, and cried my eyes out, I declared to him that, Lord, if you desire us to stay in Oklahoma the rest of my life, then so be it. We'll, we'll serve you whatever, wherever you plant us is where we'll bloom and we'll, we'll serve you. And, uh, two weeks later, I got a phone call from a buddy that worked for Shawnee Mission Medical Center up here in Kansas mm. City area. The job mm. was open. Our job was, was uh, being recruited for. And uh, two weeks later, I had communicated with HR. Two weeks later, they'd brought me up for an interview. Two weeks later, I accepted a job. So on November 14th, excuse me, November 12th, uh, 10 days before I turned 30 years old, uh, we were loading everything we had in an old U-Haul truck and, and an old flatbed trailer, and we moved to Jackson County, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting part of that mm-hmm. is, as I mentioned, you know, I was trying to do everything my way. I was trying to, you know, send the resume, everything they had taught me in college, all the things that they said, you know, this is what you got to do. If you want a job, you got to do this, make connections, network, all that good stuff. Man, I was trying to do that, you know, uh, regularly. And um, it wasn't working. Well, it wasn't his time. And if I would have been able to do that in that way, then I would have been filled with pride. Mm Mm-hmm. But now, the only way that I can tell you that we were able to gather, and we'd prayed that we would be able to gather by the spring of 1995, and up until the fall of 1994, there was nothing. But he made a way, and he honored or answered that prayer. Mm. And I had prayer. I still have prayers, and I'm still praying that haven't been answered. But uh, I know that he is faithful when we put those things before him.
0: So there no doubt in your mind that that was his hand guide in your life, which is... Yeah, that uh, when I was out on, on a mission out there in Tulsa, my mom and dad were back home. And my dad's my dad used to work for Autolite spark plugs. He was an engineer and uh, helped patent the platinum tip spark plugs. Got you know he did that for the company, designed the process. Wow. their their plant shut down in Fostoria was shutting down, and so there was a plant out in Nevada, um, and which which is away a south of Kansas City, seventy five minutes or miles. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came out here to interview and while he was out here. My mom had gone to the sand for, uh, nursing when she was young girl, uh, you know, college and Mm -hmm. she uh, had a friend or something in the ER. Next thing you know, they're looking for a director of the ER to remodel the hospital. And, uh, she had just done all that in the County. And next thing you know, she's got a job. And they, I, I remember dad, they moved out here like in a month. Like both of them switched their careers and dad said, I was just setting stuff on the curb. Like I couldn't sell stuff, like just take it. It's free because <laughs> it was a whirlwind, but without a doubt. Uh, so I never did see my house again back in Ohio. It, yep. it, it moved while, <laughs> while I was gone, but it was a, it was no doubt a uh, a movement of God, which I think is, was, well, I know is a great blessing to them still. You bet. Um, so well, I was going to ask you about Rochelle's uh, experience because my wife, um, when I met my wife, we met in the emergency room. Do you work at St. Luke's now? No, no.
1: Mike, I, I lost that job about two years ago. Oh, one thing. Yeah. And uh, St. Luke's went through some changes mm-hmm. and I work for University of Kansas health system now. Okay. Well,
0: I'm glad you're, I, our paths crossed a couple of times at St. Luke's when we were both there. Yes. Uh, but as, as a lot of things, healthcare restructuring and all that, Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. um, but similarly, I met my wife in the ER, and she was not a member. She grew up uh, in kind of non-denominational, you know, going to some church camps and things. She was a believer in, in God, but uh, we got married. We weren't. We weren't. She wasn't a member. We were reading the Book of Mormon together shortly after we got married. Uh, with Weston, she had a, a young boy. We figured out child care would be best. I had an opportunity to take a weekend work job where I would just work every uh, Saturday, Sunday night, and then I'd have the week off. Um, and I thought, well, we just got married. What about going to church together? And I really struggled with that because I wanted to foster her faith, but it was kind of like you, like, no, I want her to grow on her own. It was probably the best thing I ever did was allow her to go to church for a good year or so without me. And and uh, when I gave up that position, it was like she knew everybody. They're, oh, you're you're uh, you're a uh, Christian's husband, you know, <laughs> instead of the other way around. <laughs> but but she came to the Lord on her own. Uh, between her and the Lord and and was desirous to be baptized, not because of me, but I was pretty much out of the picture, and she was doing it on her own. So that was a neat thing. Um, I was going to ask you, any testimonies in your life that that you just want to share that have been monumental? Was there a point in your life where you felt like, uh, you were a believer, but you were definitely born again, or was it? Is it just always been kind of a, a
1: lifelong process, or do you point to one instance? It's a great way to frame it because I think I think it you know it happens with different different people, and and uh, I know that he meets us where we are, uh, and you know the scripture in James that uh, I think Joseph Smith read that that really spoke to him about you know if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives to everybody liberally and he doesn't upbraid us, you know, regardless of where we start from, he's, he's right there all the time. So I think, uh, uh for me, it, it, it's kind of been a process because again, from a young boy, you know, having those testimonies early on about, you know, grandparents and significant people in my life. And, you know, m- my dad having a, a very strong work ethic, my mom having, you know, just a, a deep rooted faith and, and, uh, um, all of those elements continue to, to mount up. And I, I think from, a uh, you talk about a conversion experience or that your mind would be you know, transformed from this world uh, or your, our lives would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I think the, that uh, that's, that's the part for me is that uh, being able to, to put his words inside and it says that the word of the Lord is, is perfect for converting the soul. And I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's the part, that sometimes it, it may come in a flash. We know that that Saul on the way, way to Damascus had, had, uh, had uh, the experience that he did but uh, others, I think it's just that continual reinforcement and that 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 awareness and that growing that that comes. Uh, I think about the three years that Christ spent with the disciples. Sometimes I, you know, we can all see Peter in ourselves. We can see, you know, different characters that are are part of that 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 original twelve in each one of us. Um, and uh, I think, you know, their thirty-six month period with Christ, they were still learning, and, and even right up to the the the, uh, uh, the last supper. When they were getting ready to have that sacrament with the Lord, you know, he said, Hey, when you're converted, do these things. And I always wrestled with that in my mind. So I'm thinking, my goodness, they had <laughs> seen miracles. They had, you know, had performed miracles, but yet they weren't converted to Christ. That's where you know you're talking about your son growing up. Is he seen you know an example in you and your wife and the, the Christian home that you guys have, and it still may be that you know that, that when that conversion takes place, when when he knows that regardless of what happens in this world, that there is a fundamental, uh, uh, a foundational uh, uh, position that's not going to change for me. That this is this is solid, and and I think that understanding uh, you mentioned. Us working at St. Luke's, uh, when uh, I was told after 25 years that uh, I was going to lose my job at St. Luke's, I went through a very difficult time. Oh, I Again, can't imagine. I thought, you know, okay, you know, one, professionally and career-wise, you know, okay, well, did I make a mistake? Did I do something that was wrong? And it really wasn't anything like that. It was just a f- corporate decision. They were going in a different direction. Yeah. But in my mind, I kept trying to wrestle. And then it came to the point, Mike, where I was thinking, okay, maybe the Lord is through with me. And Satan comes and he tries to get you, tells you all these little things. Mm-hmm. And the, the stress of all those things, you know, it, it, it wears down. It wears you down. And then the wrestle begins. But the beautiful part about that and the encouraging part, I hope everybody that, you know, that listens to this knows that when those trials come, every single trial in our life is designed to bring out our best. And the difference between a trial and a temptation is just that a temptation is always there by the adversary to bring out our worst, but a trial is always designed, and, and we know that God brings trials to our lives. I mean, there are trials that are are orchestrated just specifically for you and I that are designed to bring out the very best that's in us. And I think it was Paul that said, count it all joy when you face these many trials or, or fall into these mm. many, you know, trials. I think the, 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 there's a little variation there in the King James Version where it, it says uh, something different about when you, when, you, when you fall into these many temptations. That trial that I went through has changed my ministry as far as uh, I think uh, it's certainly reduced or, or changed the way that I look at uh, my, own, my own abilities where I see that I have to rely on him more and more. Uh, and I also see the importance of having that foundation. So that you know when when uh, things aren't being answered at the pace or the way that you think they should be, to be able to abide in him. And uh, when he talked about, uh, you know, that he's the vine and we're the branches, he said, abide in me. And boy, sometimes that's tough because when I need to be doing something. I've got to get <clears throat> this done. Right? I don't have to do it. And I have to be willing and available to him But uh, uh, to be able to be anchored in him and, and to abide in him. That's the testimony that I, I was able to glean from that whole experience.
0: I, I love that. I've never heard that. I've, I've never heard it phrased that way. The difference between trial and a temptation. I think it's important to know. I mean, Steve, you're here today because you were at a a, a women's retreat. That my wife was at, and and there was some comments made. She goes, "I think he'd be ha- good to have on the podcast." And and your name had been in my mind anyway. But there are certain people in the church that are just well known. That they're they're gifted with the teaching and preaching, and and your name is one of those. Not to lift you up, but but to hear uh, for for our listeners to hear that an elder in the church that's that served his whole life that's that's you know pre- that preaches and teaches and uh, has those gifts that. Something happens in your life and it is a trial for you, and that Satan, uh, that there's still that opposition coming at you of, of doubting, you know, and God's done with me. Maybe I did something that was just unforgivable, or, or maybe, uh, you know, I'm not good enough and he needs to cleanse me and purify me. And, and, and you know, whatever the thought process is, that, that there's doubt still. And I love how you brought it back to like, it's that constant wrestle that, all right, it's this is normal. To, to have these things and 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 nobody arrives and is free
1: of these things on this side of the veil mm-hmm. and then you know you you're, you're spot on Mike and and uh, I think you know when I read the scriptures, it, it's like you listen to Paul's words, and then if you try to think what was this man thinking behind those words? you know because there, there are certainly words on the the page in the New Testament. you know when he says the things that I want to do, I don't do, but the things I don't want to do, I wind up doing. And I think you know that, that just helps paint a very clear picture that as human beings, as long as we, as you pointed out, on this side of the veil, so we're on this side of the veil, that uh, those, those temptations are, are going to be present. Uh, but it's also, I think, very clear in the Book of Mormon, in particular in the 16th chapter of Alma, where he talks about that this, this life is a time of probation for us. And if we work out our soul's salvation with fear and trembling in this probationary period, we don't have anything to worry about on the other side. But it's when we depend on ourselves and we, when, when we still see ourselves as the center of the universe. I think that's a testimony. That you mentioned Arthur Oakman earlier. I think so many people in the restoration in, uh, you know, in, in uh, the, our faith that, that glean words of wisdom from things that came through him as a servant. Yeah. But uh, I think that you know, those, those understandings and those truths that came uh, in his day and time, they're eternal. I mean, it's not a matter of mm-hmm. well, you know, well, those were good for just that time.
0: No, as a matter of fact, I, I don't know how many times I've read, and I'm like, <laughs> well, he's our throatman didn't say that. C.S. Lewis said like, he's quoting people that came before him as far as eternal goes, and he was very well read and studied. So, and from like, England was he from? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So,
1: yeah, eternal truths that mm-hmm. yep they're they're there to to teach us. Um, I think about, uh, you know, we, our, our little group at Wellington, we've got a, uh, oh, there's about 20, 22, 23 people that, that meet with us real regular there. And uh, we've got some young folks. And uh, I always think about during the course of the service, you know, we'll, we'll have uh, most of the teenagers are in our adult class. And, you know, I think back, I think, man, if I was a teenager sitting in this adult class, I would be bored to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I always try to find some way to bring it back to, you know, okay, well, you know, what's this look like from a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old's perspective? And, um, you know, to know that there's no new temptation that's on the earth. People look at it now and think, well, we got the internet, we got this, we got that. And it is, it all goes back to the exact same temptation that Adam and Eve were faced with. That being that we can either be gods in and of ourselves and make our own decisions mm-hmm. <clears throat> or we can rely on him. And I can say, well, yeah, but now it's so much more prevalent because of the internet and I have access to so many things. All those things are true, but it's just like that, that fruit that was hanging right there in front of them. It's a choice whether I do what God wants me to do or I decide to go a different path. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I would encourage that, you know, whether it's your son or whether it's, you know, everyone else that's, that's working with young people to make sure they have that good foundation and then allow their agency and the hopefully the wisdom that, that they're mm-hmm. able to, to use can lead them in the right use of that agency.
0: Yeah, everything broken in this world, everything that's not working correctly is a result of men saying, my way my intelligence, my 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 solution, as opposed to God's way, and and this is the exact uh, fruit of men's way that we're living in today.
1: Very true statement. Yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up. I think one of the things and in, in, uh, that that we went through when your wife was at the women's retreat was I uh, uh, spent a lot of time trying to understand Isaiah, and Isaiah is a, a pretty tough. <clears throat> tough book to, to, to get through and, and I'm not claiming by any stretch that I've mastered that but there's one chapter that uh, I've spent a lot of time in recent and that is chapter six. and the sixth chapter of Isaiah uh, Isaiah specifically describes the scene that was presented to him in the throne room of God and uh, um, had a couple of couple of things that were uh, what I call new learning we're talking about testimonies it was new learning. For me, you know, and uh, even though, you know, you may read the scriptures for 70 years, there's always new learning when you I love open it. yourself. <laughs> it's the only thing that can it's, capture my attention. I get bored so easily. <laughs> it's fabulous. And, uh, you know, at the very beginning, you know, it's like it, the, the year that King Uzziah died and he says he was taken to the throne room and said he saw the, you know, the, the cherubim, the seraphim and the six wings and that whole thing and the doorpost. But then it says that the one cried to the other one and says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I sat and I thought, okay, what is his glory? You yeah. know, what's what, The question of just what, what is God's glory? And uh, um, you, know, you can ponder that for a long time and people say, well, you know, and some people say, well, the glory of the Lord is intelligence or other words, light and truth. We get that from what our latter-day scripture in, in, in the Doctrine and Covenants. That's true. But then also you can say, well, the glory of the Lord is to, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man says that that's the glory of the Lord. Well, then you go to the birth of Christ, and it says that the glory of the Lord shone round about the shepherds when they were out in their fields. So, like, okay, there's all these different things that are described as the glory of the Lord. In section 22, which is you know kind of the what I call the preamble to Genesis, it's, right. it's if we get a little glimpse into what was going on with Moses's interaction with God prior to Genesis 1:1 being written, and in the course of that. Uh, um, Moses experiences uh, some things and, and uh, uh, says that he was transformed or transfigured by the glory of the Lord. He said he couldn't even stand his presence unless that glory transfigured him. So, you know, we've got a little example there about what the glory of the Lord is. And then in, in uh, the inspired version in, in chapter 3 in Genesis, it really came to kind of full circle for me when I, when I, when I read what Isaiah said what he saw in the throne room about holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. When Satan came to God and said, hey, I'll go for you, in chapter 3 of Genesis, and he said, I'll go for you and I'll make everybody worship you. But the thing that he wanted was basically God's glory. Jesus comes, he says, Father, I'll go and the glory be yours. And, boy, that, you know, that was kind of a, a real key understanding. And I think for us as restorationists, for us as believers, for us as Christians, regardless of your faith in these latter days, that when we do things that we've got to make sure that we're not doing it for our own glory, but that we point back to Christ and say the glory is yours and the glory will always be his. Mm-hmm. I kid you not, Steve. I, I got a YouTube
0: video sent to me from a friend yesterday. Two days ago, and yesterday, uh, randomly, I was looking for a sermon. There's a couple guys I like to listen to, and I was just driving, and I was one of those times like, man, I'm, I'm out of ideas. Let's just listen, and and three, three of them, all all three of those things together, were people talking on the glory of the
1: Lord and what yep. that means. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's so many studies been done on it and, and a lot of evangelical work on it. And, and even in Hebrew, if, if you go back and you look at Shekinah glory and Shekinah glory is, is his actual presence. Um, uh, I always sent my, my kids to, to school and, and try to start each day uh, with a scripture from Psalm 1611. And it says, uh, in his presence is the fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. And you think about, you know, the glory of the Lord, that Shekinah glory that's there, his His presence in our lives, that's where the fullness of joy is. It's not in cars. It's not in jobs. It's not in money. It's not in, you know, all the things the world gives us an example of, the temporal things. But the the fullness of joy is truly in his presence.
0: Yeah, and that's a great road marker. If you're wondering where you're at in your walk with the Lord, it's like, do you desire him now? Because if you don't desire him now, then, then you think your spirit's just going to desire him after you die. I mean, the book of Mormon is clear on that. That same spirit will be with you on the other side of the veil. And so it's always like, is he enough right now? Or is my heart and my mind and everything using other things? And, or is he enough? Is he where I really get my satisfaction? It's a great road marker yep. on this. I wanted to bring out a couple of things. So, we were talking earlier about uh, early morning coming to the Lord. You said that
1: um, on Thursday mornings there's a Zoom devotional? Yeah, the Conference of Restoration Elders, and, and there are so many different opinions about you know different things going on, but I i know I've been involved with the, the the Conference of Restoration Elders for some time. And um, just the desire to bring ministry to the people, make sure that there is that uh, unifying call to say, hey, come and, and worship uh, we were planning for, uh, one, the solemn assembly a year ago, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, for the spring gathering and the fall gathering. And and usually there's a a small group that would get together on Thursday mornings and we would have a a short devotional and then we'd, you know, take care of any business that needed to be conducted. (laughs) It's at 6am central standard time. But, uh, uh, we thought, well, why not allow anyone who wants to click on and, and be a part of that Zoom session. You can turn your video on if you want, or if you want to sit and drink your cup of coffee with your hair still look like you get out of bed, nah. that's fine too. But uh, we have a, a short devotional. It's usually between 30 minutes and an hour, and uh, anyone can join. Um, I have a couple of brothers who said they, they want to forward to some folks they know that may be going through some difficult times, that they've just got that strong word of encouragement at least once a week, and that they can they can participate Uh Pray and then uh, and go on with your day.
0: Can you uh, get me that Zoom link so I can put it to the show notes? And then anybody listening, is there a?
1: Yeah, it's a <coughs> conference, Re- conference of restoration elders website, but I will send it to you. Okay, and you can put it in the notes. I like yeah. to do the one click shop, so if people are here, they just click on it and they. Can you go. bet you. Okay. I'll send I'll
0: send you the link today, or I can get it off the website. Okay, um, a couple
1: other. Th- oh, well, one, one thing before we leave that uh, it's called Under His Wing. <laughs> I liked it, and. Uh, um, The first one we we, we started off was uh, using the scripture, Matthew, where it says, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathers their chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't. Mm. And we start off each day, you know, well, I can, like me, I can go out, I can get all these things done. When you know what, in all reality, I need to start out knowing that I'm under his wing. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, that's a great, um, I like that. That's pretty artsy and gives me a nice visual too, um, but also very, very poignant on what the purpose of that is. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, well, the re- I want to say this. You just mentioned Isaiah, and Isaiah is hard to understand. And it was interesting to me. I was reading the Book of Mormon the other day, and Nephi, I think it was Nephi or Jacob, says he quotes a lot of Isaiah to his brothers, and then they're like, well, this is hard to understand. And he's like, because you don't understand the ways of the, either he said the Hebrews or the Jews, or you don't understand the culture. And I thought, if they don't understand the culture, and, and they just came from that, and they've been, been in the woods or the wilderness for how long, uh, how much more do we not understand what was going on back then? And so that's why I love the Book of Mormon, because those writers knew that in our day when these words come forth that we don't have all of the Hebrew culture and everything. And so they said it's very plain and precious. Yep. yep. You mentioned something at the women's retreat that, that Kristen came home and said, you should have Steve on and talk. And and you clarified it this morning, um, a, a scripture in Jacob. Talk to me about the mark and missing the mark. Yeah,
1: you bet. Um, we were uh, actually making preparation for uh, uh, the spring gathering and talking about, you know, the field is no longer fallow and, and talking about how the Lord – uh, allows us to go through periods of time where, where it feels like, hey, my life is like a fallow field. And I think the Restoration since 1984, we've kind of gone through a period of separation. Some call it a, another dark and cloudy day, whatever acronym, or not acronym, whatever uh, symbolism you want to use for that. But uh, I think uh, uh, in, in preparing for the spring gathering, I was supposed to speak on, on one of the evening services, and particularly about Jacob 3 and the whole parable of a, a prophet by the name of Zenos. And... Uh, 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 Zeus's parable about the olive trees—it's magnificent, and, and uh, it's really nothing about olive trees. The whole thing it talks about grafting and planting and and preparing and doing all these things about an olive tree—it is nothing to do with olive trees. It has everything to do with a love story, and the love story is about God's love for His people, the House of Israel, and those people are aren't just those who have blood lineage with you know one of the twelve tribes, in the, in that sense but it, it, it is with all those who covenant with him and become as a part of the house of Israel. And that whole chapter three of, of Jacob is a love story about his love for the, for the house of Israel. But in the course of that chapter, in verse 23, there's a, a verse that I've probably read over several times, but it jumped off the page at me, and it is that uh, the Jews were asleep and they missed the mark. Or, I don't asleep, sleep, I think it says the Jews were blind and it says they missed the mark. And uh, I've preached several different times. And, and, and uh, sometime during the course of the sermon, I'll ask the people or in the class session, what's the mark? What is the mark that the Jews missed? And, uh, you know, as a society, I think if you, you sit and you think about it, well, you know, it could be this, it could be that. It could have been, you know, all the different uh, prophecies. That uh, you know Jesus was coming and 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 all that, and I think you would be right in each one, but the the final answer would would have to be Christ. They missed Christ, and then as Latter Day Israel, we have to ask ourselves: Are we missing Christ as a church, as a restoration? Have we put put so much emphasis on uh, the doctrine? We put so much emphasis on being right or or being able to tell people how right we are, or that we have the fullness. But yet we, we sometimes look back and we well, have we missed Christ? And uh, um, I don't want to be converted to a church. Mm-hmm. And I think mankind mm-hmm. isn't in need of another church or another restoration group or another split off or a splinter group. What we need to be converted to is Jesus Christ. and uh, Because that, that name and that name alone is what's going to give us salvation on the other side. Steve,
0: I asked you uh well I explained a little bit about the podcast. You said you've heard of the podcast, but you haven't actually you haven't listened to individual episodes. That's a path uh, Corey and I have been walking and, and we're both aware that it's it's a very you have to tread lightly because we are we have a, a, a wonderful recent heritage. And you talked about your grandfather, my grandparents, and, and this religion is a is less than, than 200 years old, basically, very recent. Um, but we noticed the necessity that perhaps Jesus really, even from the very beginning, didn't have his proper place in the church as, um, as given in the Book of Mormon, the message. Just like we had the Book of Mormon, and did the church ever really just relish in this gospel? And the doctrine and covenants tells us, you know, just a couple years after it's printing, you've already left the new covenant, the Book of Mormon, and mm-hmm. until you return to that, you're under condemnation. Yep. And so it's that, it's that um, trying to encourage the saints that you're we're not leaving our heritage, but maybe we focus too much, you know, for example. Proving that the Book of Mormon is a divine book, rather than just internalizing the message, becoming a part of us in in living the life that's <laughs> so beautiful from that message, because it's ingrained into our DNA. Yep. and then it doesn't matter. I mean, you're you're a living example of what that
1: message can do to your heart. Mike, it that's so true, and uh, it's interesting where our, our conversation has evolved. I Had a, a, a discussion with a um, lady, long-term member of the church, just you know, uh, um, been a part of the part of the restoration her, her entire life, and she's in her eighties. And uh, the question was asked, "Well, um, you know, can someone go to heaven if they don't believe in the Book of Mormon?" And you know, that's yeah. that's 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 just a, a a deep question. And I said, "Well, let me ask you this." I said, "What did the Book of Mormon people?" Teach or preach? Did they preach the Book of Mormon? No, they didn't. They were. They didn't, didn't have. The it <laughs> wasn't, right. wasn't there. That's right. They they were they were living that. And I said the thing that that emerged when Alma heard Abinadi speak. And if you look back and you know in that that period of time when when the church emerged there and that that point in the Book of Mormon, when he heard him speak, it wasn't a church that converted him. It was the testimony of Christ that was in Abinadi. That's what converted mm-hmm. Alma. Alma didn't have to go out and proclaim, well, I, I believe now in the Book of Mormon. It didn't even exist. What he believed in was Christ. And today, I think we're, we're kind of in the same situation. The, the book that we call the Book of Mormon it is merely just a testimony, a second witness that Jesus is the Christ. And uh, there are so many people at work right now on the face of the earth helping to convince Jews and Gentiles, but in particular the Jews, that Jesus is the Christ. There's a group that I uh, listen to from time to time. It's called One for Israel. Yes,
0: absolutely. We talk about them a lot. (laughs)
1: And, you know, in the the course of that, I think they're doing a lot of things that the church, the restoration was called to do because they're taking Jesus Christ to those people who were his uh, – his first love if you will.
0: Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've we've played some of their audio testimonies interspersed in our podcast with uh oh my gosh, first person Jesus coming to them, converting them one-on-one, yep. them seeing the Christ and knowing. I mean you're talking about people that have denied Christ and have come from a heritage like they're, you know, I'm gonna lose my parents and I'm gonna lose my grandparents. Nobody in my family, this is this is the worst thing you can do. That Christ converts them one on one. And they change and they realize He's their savior. I get goosebumps talking about it because when I see that happen, it's like He doesn't need us to go out and evangelize the world. He can go to any person at any time he chooses to allow us to take part in that glory and and that 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 vision, you know, for our own joy, for our own He he wants us to be a part of that
1: work. But man, he is so capable. Mike, you're you're so right, and, and uh, uh, you mentioned it's it's a very delicate conversation because even with this individual, it's like, well, you know, what about the what about the restoration? And and you know, there are certain things I think that uh, we were challenged to do with restoration, and one was to go and and uh, share, you know, the testimony that's within within that work that that had been uh, translated. But more than that, I think the 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 fear in our day and time is that well. We may sound like an evangelical group if we just talk about Christ, or we may sound in, you know, I'm not really concerned about what I might sound like other than I want to sound like a minister of Christ, <laughs> and uh, to preach, to teach, to can, uh, to encourage those around me to believe in Jesus Christ. Um, and eventually, we know that uh, when you do that, that the world kind of draws a line and says, okay. Uh, um, it puts you in a, a, a different, uh, it looks at you in a different light. The world does. And uh, we have an elder in our little group there at Wellington. He always remind us, reminds us that if we're not understanding things, we're probably thinking about it with our carnal minds versus our spiritual. And I think if the you know we look at it real close, the, the world, when it doesn't understand the message of Jesus Christ, it's foolishness unto them. Mm. And uh, the message of Christ, if we look at it with our spiritual eyes and our spiritual minds, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, I think uh, it, it's sweeter than honeycomb. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I, uh, a while back, I wanted to go through the Book of Mormon again. I got, I got a brand new Book of Mormon, no highlights, no anything. I'm going to go through this and read it. Every th- time it talks about Jesus and his saving power and His and salvation, I'm going to write it down. So I have a collection of like, here's the best sermon. It was like, after a, a very short time i just gave up because like this whole book is about jesus and it's an evangelical book and yeah what was what was the, some of the the final words if not the final words christ said uh to the disciple go into all the world preach the gospel baptize yep and that's we are to uh, there, that is our only work here is to yep. to share him you bet yeah, well uh uh, as often happens on Facebook, I got into a debate one time about uh, people, uh, somebody, you could tell they, they were probably RLDS because they'd gone to Graceland, but they were anti uh, Latter day Saint or anything to do with it. And so there's no proof that, you know, that the Book of Mormon, that there was any archaeology or anything. Just And I thought, well, there's so many things wrong with what he just said. So I started arguing and it was back and forth. And Steve, I went to bed that night. I woke up the next morning. The First thing on my mind was that conversation and scripture about Jesus in the Book of Mormon. And I went back. I had to find the thread, and I went in there, and I said, you may put down the Book of Mormon, but this is what I read. And I put this beautiful scripture about Jesus and his power to save, and I said, this has done nothing but bear good fruit in my life. And if you find something in there that is contrary, let me know because I want to know about it. Mm -hmm. No arguments. You can't argue with the word you know, you're, you're you're you can you're argue not, everything
1: else but the <clears throat> message the word takes care of itself. So. yeah it does and and I think that's why you know uh, if you just look at the example of Christ uh, you know as Satan came tempting him and in different periods of time he just responded with the Word of God <laughs> and, yeah. you know from the Old Testament uh, and uh, but each each time he spoke uh, um, the adversary couldn't couldn't stand his presence I got a, a really interesting testimony I've shared it a couple times uh with just using uh, the name of Jesus Christ, uh, we were on a vacation one time when our, our children were, were smaller, and, and uh, there was a, a place for for you to go and kind of play basketball during downtime. So, my son, who was probably ten or eleven years old at that time, we went up. I no, he was fourteen. We went up and uh, we were playing basketball with these guys. They were all like college age, and you know, from all over, and uh, uh, pretty intense game back and forth. And we took a break to get some water. Well, one of the guys on the court had been just uh, cursing. I mean, every word was just this and, you know, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain and so many different things. And it was just, you know, kind of grating on my nerves. And, and, uh, my flesh was wanting to just, you know, mm-hmm. say, Hey buddy, let's, let's pipe down a little bit. <laughs> and I I kept, kept that at bay. And we sat down and we were sitting on these mats over to the side of the court. I was a drink a bottle of water. And, and it just so happened that he was sitting right there by me and, uh, all I did was say, Hey, have you ever met a man named Jesus Christ? And Mike, I can sit here and tell you with all assurance this morning that I didn't hear one cuss word come out of his mouth after that point. <laughs> and that was all it took. And he said, Well, yeah, He said, "I," and, and he, he was a, a bit inebriated or intoxicated. <clears throat> He said, yeah, he said, I'm a part of the, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at my school, my college, and you know several other things. But the important thing is I didn't have – all I had to do was speak the name of Christ. And it took care of the thing that was grating on my <laughs> nerves. And uh, you know, I, I think that's a, a, a reminder, at least it is for me, a reminder that when I get frustrated, when I want to try to change things in my own way or my own time – that, uh, you know, if I just speak his name and rely on him and trust in him, as, as it says, I think, in 3rd book of uh, uh, Second Nephi, to trust in him. I know who I've trusted in before and who I can trust in in the future, and, and he's it. And through this whole COVID experience and all the different trials people have been in, sometimes just speaking the name of Jesus mm. and relying on that name can bring assurance and peace when nothing else can. Some, um,
0: You know what I heard this week in a prayer or in a, in a sermon? I didn't realize this. Up until, 19, up until 1888, no disease in, has, had ever been cured by science. That was the first time that through science and understanding, we were able to then come into a, a spot where someone was inflicted with something and take care of it and eradicate it. I don't remember the, but if you think about that, how many times through the entire history of the world, people were dying. They had no idea why, you know, you, you have an inflamed appendix, you die. You don't get that fixed. Yep. Um, and relying on faith. And, and now it's like, it's all about science and curing the viruses and all of those things. Um, but up until you know, just a little over a hundred years ago, we didn't, we weren't able to do that. The science is just completely taken off. But that's another area where now we're used to, um, you know, blaming science if we're still sick or or why aren't you working hard enough or are you lying or, uh, you know, all of those things where, you know, think of 1888, not even 200 years ago, that um, you were just kind of between you and God if something came along. You know, they, they bleed you out on the floor, didn't know
1: how to cure things, didn't understand germs. Yep. Yep, very true, <clears throat> and you know even with that, you mentioned you know science being able to cure us or or you know uh, prevent polio. Right. I mean, just you know the understanding that comes through that, in which you know I think was a member of the House of Israel that was uh, actually the, the the one that who actually produced that cure wasn't Jonas Salk. Okay, and I think yeah. he, he was yeah. a, a Jew, but anyway, uh, I, I digress. Um, but the important thing is, is that even in those advancements, whatever advancement we, we make uh, from a science or a intellectual standpoint, all those things have existed from the beginning of time. I think about, you know, being able to fly, you know, right. it wasn't until the Wright brothers come along and all of a sudden, you know, we were able to, you know, to, to fly 116 feet or 116, you know, whatever it was that they flew first. The ability to fly has been around since day one on this earth you know the 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 laws of aerodynamics and all those things are, are have been around it's just us being well, all that intelligence is his so you know if if i come up with a new idea about something it's his mm-hmm. it's not my own idea it's it's his idea cuz it's it's existed all the time it just took us a long time to figure it out Gee, i want to draw
0: we're going a little long are you okay
1: still talking I'm, yeah, I'm fine.
0: Okay. I wanted to just kind of draw on your talents, I think, here because you're good at expounding the word. I want to, I want to just paint a little scenario for you. You're sitting on a park bench. There's a guy next to you, uh, maybe hasn't heard the gospel or, or, or says he's never heard of Jesus. How would you describe the gospel of Jesus Christ to him?
1: Good question. I think the uh, you know the first thing that comes to my mind is 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 a friend, and uh, you know the, the the description we're given in the scriptures about a friend about uh, not having any greater uh, uh, friend or, or love than to, to to give your your life for a friend. And um, it's interesting. Uh, on the way back from our recent trip, we sat by a young man. Um, who lives in North Kansas City and uh, works for a, a tire repair shop. And he was coming back from seeing his grandparents. Very friendly guy. Uh, and uh, um, so, whether we're sitting on a park bench or we're sitting on an airplane, being able to just show the love of Christ and uh, the kindness. <clears throat> I didn't say much about that. We talked about family and whatnot as we were sitting on the plane. But uh, uh, my wife talked to me most of the time, and I I was uh, uh, on the other side. But the reason I share this, Mike, is that uh, before we got out of the baggage claim, something spoke in my heart and said, you need to connect with this young man. His name's Pablo. Mm. And uh, um, so all I did was walk up and say, Pablo, I, I just appreciate the spirit of kindness that you had, because you could tell you just a, a very kind soul, and uh, you know I think the the to share the the testimony of, of Jesus Christ and, and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone is sometimes we use our our mouths to tell that if we have to, but I think the best part is to just just show the the genuine uh, kindness and gentleness that the Savior had. Being able to share with him about, you know, repentance and sin and all those things, that comes in due time. But I think like Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus had had heard a little bit about this Savior, this uh, rabbi that was going around the countryside. And uh, the first thing Jesus didn't say, Zacchaeus, you need to repent. And you know, and, and espouse the gospel. does that? What did Jesus say? First thing he said to Zacchaeus was, "Come down out of that tree. I'm going to your house. We're going to have supper." <laughs> I mean, you know, that right there is a way that we can we can begin to show our neighbors, our friends, others, uh, you know, who Christ is. Uh, you know, telling them about what He's done in your life, how I was a sinner, how I was lost, how I struggle with things, even now in the flesh. And when I pray and I go to him, that he gives me strength, he gives me understanding, he gives me a, a foundation to live my life on, um, all those things will come. But I think the, the main thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is being able to live it out. Like he told his disciples, do these things. And when people ask about them, point to me. Mm. Good advice. Let your, light, let your light shine unto men. Don't hold it under a bushel, but let it let it shine, and then uh, um, point point people to Him.
0: Any um, <clears throat> parting words of advice to the church today? I say the church. I'm, I'm talking about our faith culture, uh, the restoration that you know, we had. The Book of Mormon come forth, and and Joseph Smith, and we we had this idea of Zion and building Zion and gathering the independence, and we've we've seen some uh, it could, what we could say a depressing time, uh, the falling away, the lowering of numbers, uh, what would you say for hope? What, where would you point the saints or, or what would you tell to them just as those listening today?
1: I um, had a uh, very <clears throat> clear example of that with uh, um, a guy who had been under church appointment in, in, in our church at one time and uh, was a high priest. And um, in, in the course of that, i you know, not going to make a claim either way, whether he really was, really wasn't. But uh, um, in the course of a conversation, I was talking about, you know, uh, how exciting the gospel is and, and, you know, sharing Christ. And the question was, well, we don't really have a church to invite someone to. And because of of kind of the, the, not kind of, because of the disorganized nature of what we're going on, so many multiple restoration branches and different things. And it really caught me off guard to think that uh, we we could have something as precious as the fullness of the gospel. And think the thought that, well, I don't have anything to invite someone to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether we, whether we want to, to uh, kind of get down on ourselves and think, well, you know, we, we don't have a, uh, the organized church like we had in the 1950s. Or we don't have this or don't have that. Um, I'd rather really focus on those things that we do have. And we've got a Savior that has never been surprised in the history mm-hmm. of, of time, in the history of history. <laughs> yes. Never been surprised. So, for us to think that, well, you know, you know, uh, maybe this is a period where he's going to get surprised. He's not. He knows exactly what's happening. And, and I think the encouraging thing that I would leave with, with not just restoration but Christians everywhere, is to know that uh, um, he is good all the time, and all the time he's good. And uh, there's no th- new thing under the sun where we get uh, um, blindsided with in our finite minds that he's known about from the beginning and just be encouraged to know that, that, uh, his faithfulness, uh, is, is, uh, that he's going to complete the work that he's begun in us. Yeah. <clears throat> I've tried to shift my focus. Uh, of course I,
0: I'm one that gathered, like I told you from Ohio, I didn't have a, well, my, my parents left my house there. So, uh, but I had a job back there in the police department and all that, but I, I chose to come here for a reason and, Sometimes those dreams maybe seem to be thwarted or aren't playing out the way we thought, but I, I've tried to shift my focus. And as great as Zion and a city and living with the saints is that first and foremost, I, I want to get to the point of, of the one woman in the scriptures that just wanted to sit at his feet and be with Jesus. And if I can get to that point in my life, then uh, I think it'll be a well-lived life
1: before it's all over. You, you, it will be you not know, just think, uh, I think the, the importance of that, that scripture in Matthew where he's talking about, you know, the, the branch and the vine yeah. just abide in me. <laughs> and, uh, um, I think it was Wilkinson who wrote a book recently about, you know, the secrets of the vine, just a little bitty book, but man, there's some great teaching in that. He's not a restoration writer, uh-huh. but some great teaching in that about how uh, there's a pruning period there's a you know a, a time where where things are are done that really stress the plant to make it grow but then there's that time where it's just supposed to abide and uh Jesus wants us to abide in him
0: mm. Steve anything else you want to share I'm looking at my notes i want I wanted to make sure we got everything that uh
1: I think I think we've got uh maybe maybe enough material for you to have the the program um <laughs> I guess the uh, one testimony, you uh, know, I, I mean, you can edit this out if you want or not, Mike. But uh, was asked, I think it was by the JCRB to speak at their annual conference mm-hmm. two or three years ago, and the topic was, "Why aren't we able to keep our youth?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, that's been a question from probably Adam and Eve's time.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Why, why'd he kill this brother? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll come and share. And I said, you guys, uh, you know, hopefully you don't get upset or angry at what I'm going to share with you. But uh, I think, it, you know, at least our situation in the restoration, the thought came to me that uh, you've got, we'll, we'll just use Johnny and Tyler. Johnny and Tyler, you know, they're seven, eight, nine years old, and they enjoy going to, you know, the, it's kind of the saving grace for them going to church. They've got somebody to sit with, hang out with, right. talk with. You know, they may see each other after church or go home with each other or, or play catch in the backyard. And they always sit together, you know, when, when their families let them at church. And then all of a sudden in the restoration, there is a, a, a business meeting and a few parents, adults get crosswise, and there's a split in the church. All of a sudden, Johnny and Tyler aren't even going to the same church anymore. Mm. What, what type of image does that present about church to them? And we wonder why we can't keep or retain our youth mm-hmm. in the church. And, uh, you know, I, I shared some of that and I thought, you know, we, we don't really need another split. We don't need another, you know, uh, nefarious group to crop up out here, you know, in, in, in the world today. What we need is is uh, people willing to, what we talked about earlier, just to show the love of Christ. And um, sometimes that sounds oversimplistic, but man, oh, man, is the world in need of that. Uh-huh.
0: It's always back to the basics. We, and, and we always stumble over the simplistic, don't we, Stu? It's the simple things that we want to leave to find something more important, yep. more wise.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. or accomplish my goals. Yeah, you know, I've got some things that I need to accomplish, so we need we need to look at it this mm-hmm. way. So anyway, I I, I just share that because I know a lot of parents, they think, well, you know, why aren't our kids, don't they have a better, I guess, uh, relationship with their faith or whatever? But sometimes, you know, at least since 1984, a lot of young people have gone through, you know, three or four different splits where all of a sudden I develop friendships, you know, with other believers, and then all of a sudden I'm, I can't worship with them. I can't right. sit in church with them.
0: So. Yeah. Well, good advice. Steve, uh, not lifting you up, but I'm glad that um, some 20, 25 years later, from the first time I met you, you, you still have an excitement for the gospel. And, and I know we, we all struggle and we're sinners and we have our ups and downs, but you are still in the fight and you're still uh, bearing testimony of
1: Jesus. And so thank you for
0: sharing your story today.
1: Appreciate that, Mike, and uh, certainly appreciate what you and Corey do here and Uh, being able to to bloom wherever we planted, we're planted in in whatever way just to work for him. God bless you. Thank you, brother. You too.